Coastal, come on, give Jesus praise because his presence is in this place. What's up, everybody? Man, so glad to be with you guys today. I'm just so honored to be here. I love your church. I love your pastors. Um, do, you all got, do you know that you have a great church? All right, quick, 35,000-foot view. I go to churches all around the world, and I know a good church when I'm in it. The faith, the vision. Y'all got a new building? Oh, my God. For real. I mean, like, we're believing God for a building, and the process is so long and ridiculous that I want to quit. But being here, it has inspired me. I'm going to go home and tell everybody, we're not going to quit. We're going to keep on going until we build what God's put in our heart to build, all right? And, you know, a new building is symbolic spiritually because you don't need a new building. You just need a place to house the people that God's sending here. A new building prophetically means that you're in a new season and that God is ready to do a new thing. And if you don't like people, you probably shouldn't be a part of this church because God is about to flood this church with more people. Anybody excited about the hungry and the broken and the down and out and those who are lost being saved? Well, you're in the right place today. And so I give double honor, of course, to Pastor TJ and his wife, Shayla. Thank you guys so much. We're part of the same covenant group with um, Pastor Randy Bazette, and I've known each other for years. I've heard about what God's doing here. I'm just glad to see it with my own eyes and to see that it's better. I'm like that. Remember, uh, I'm going to go biblical on you. Remember when <laughs> that lady came in and was like Solomon, and he, she had heard about the wisdom of Solomon, and she came and Y'all don't remember that? Never mind. But anyway, it's better than what I had heard, okay? Anyway, very quickly, my name is Pastor Ken. I pastor a life-giving church in Gainesville, but also next year we're launching Orlando as well. So <laughs> crazy story. Right now there's movers at my house moving to Orlando so I can be in both places and things. So pray for my wife. and we got <laughs> She's doing it all by herself. But um, I'm here with you guys, and I'm excited about it. I've been married now to a woman named Tabitha Beautiful inside and out for 19 years, y'all. Give it up for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It has been the best 17 and a half years of my life. <laughs> you do the math. The first year, the year and a half was horrible. I was so selfish and prideful. I didn't know how to be. I, I was single for so long. I didn't know how to be married. And before you get upset with me, she wasn't much better herself. Matter of fact, it's all her fault. She's not here to defend any of that. You know what I mean? But let me give you the best marriage advice. If you ever struggle in your relationship, are you ready? Here's the best marriage advice that I believe anybody could ever give you. If you love God more than you love your spouse, he will help you and restore your marriage. He'll bless it. The problem was is that I didn't love God enough, and because I didn't love God, I didn't honor her, submit her, serve her. I didn't do any of that. But when I fell in love with God, I'm not talking about a churchy love where I'm just, you know, I got the T-shirt on, but I'm not really on the team. I'm talking about where I really love God. All of a sudden, I couldn't talk to her a certain way because that's God's daughter. Come on, I'm helping somebody in this church. Anyway, but now we're best friends, and we love doing marriage ministry together. We have three beautiful kids. Uh, my oldest, her name is Hannah. And uh, she is an overachiever. She's a straight-A student. I don't know where she gets it from. I do believe in miracles. And uh, my second, her name is Charity. She's nine years old. And my son, he's the youngest. He's seven years old. He's a chip off the old block. They say he looks just like me. And all he does all day long is just pick at his sisters. Everything is a game. So he needs to get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all pray for me. All right. <laughs> but anyway, um, I love you guys. Y'all ready for the word of God today? Now, listen, I pastor a church called Alive. So I can only preach to people that are alive. Do I got anybody in this place that used to be dead in your sins, but now you're alive? Come on, anybody here? 
I know it's cold, so you better move a little bit. Come on, somebody. And so I just believe that preaching is better when you preach back at me. And so if you, if you want, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. So if you want to say amen, preach it, curly-haired guy, you know, whatever. I mean, if, if it get real good, you can stand up and clap for me. That makes me feel better. I feel like I'm going to keep on going, you know, that kind of thing. And I believe that God honors our participation. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need you more than we need air to breathe. Without you, we are absolutely useless and nothing. But with you, we can do all things through Christ. And so, Father, I pray for those who are brokenhearted. I pray for those who are discouraged. They're in a valley and they feel like giving up. That today will be a word where they will lift up their heads to the hills from whence cometh their help. Today you will put wind beneath their wings. Once again, they will see that their best is out in front of them. So God, you heal the brokenhearted, heal every sickness, every disease. We declare that we will leave out of this place better, filled up with joy, ready to win the lost at any cost. And we give you all the glory, all the honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. Today I'm going to teach you a standalone message called Work Your Two. Go ahead and tell your neighbor you got to work your two. Go ahead. Now you got to get used to your neighbor. Go ahead and say, hey, hey, neighbor, I'm going to be talking to you the whole time. <laughs> I'm going to be talking to you the whole time. We got one of them preachers that have you turn to your neighbor here today, all right? And so somebody say, I got to work my two. And I want to come out of Matthew chapter 25. If you have a Bible, please go there. If not, grab it on your phone. I would love for you to look at it. How many of y'all know all of your answers are found in the, in the Word? And um, if you ever suffer depression, my wife was clinically depressed for 10 years. She's been free for 17 years now. No more therapy and anything because she began to speak God's word over her life and put depression underneath her feet. Another story for another day. we got to move on. Matthew 25 is a parable about the parable of the talents, okay? And this word talent, in the Old Testament times, they used talent as a form of money or currency. Of course, we use dollar, dollar bills, y'all, and stuff like that. Now, but um, back then, so the NIV calls it bags of gold, but it's basically meaning a, a talent, a, a form of money. Now, when we go through the parable, and a parable is nothing but an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I love Jesus because he would preach in a lot of parables so that we could really get a clue in an agricultural society. He would talk about sowing and reaping and tares and wheat and all that stuff so that we could get a clue of something that we can't see with something that we can see. So the parable of the talent to me is not just a scripture about money. It's really a scripture about being a steward over anything that God puts in your hand. Some of you all, he's given you a talent. He's given you a gift. He's given you a calling and an anointing. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? Now, what I figured out over the years is what you don't use, you will lose. And this is kind of what the parable is talking about. And so right here in Matthew chapter number 25, verse 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. I don't know if you've ever hired anybody to manage your money. So this is like an old school financial advisor. So he says, here's my wealth. I need you to do something with it while I'm gone. Verse 15, to one he gave five bags of gold or five talents. Everybody say five. To another he gave two. Everybody say two. And to another he gave one. Everybody say one. And so basically you have five talent people. You got the two talent people. And then you got the one talent people. So these are like three categories. And then he gave it to them each according to his or their ability, meaning that he gave them different based upon their different giftings. Now, that's important to know because, you know, God's no respecter of persons. Y'all know that, right? That means that he doesn't love you more than he loves you. He loves us all equally. No matter the mistakes that we've made, his love is equal for all of us. But he does give us different gifts. 
And that's important because if we don't understand that, then we'll get upset because somebody has something that we don't have. But we all have different abilities and different gifts. And so what he did is he gave them severally, um, sev according to his ability. Then, when, then he went on his journey, verse 16, the man who received five bags of gold, he went at once and he put that money to work. Everybody say at once. And, you know, this is for the people that try to delay in their obedience to God. And there are times when God speaks to you that you need to respond immediately. When he tells you to give, don't go home and pray about it. Do it immediately. When he tells you to serve, don't say, well, first I got to, you know, switch my schedule around. I got to do all this. I'm going to do that, you know, later on when my kids get into middle school. You know how we have all these excuses of why we can't obey God right now. But there's something powerful about when he speaks to us, not hardening our hearts, but saying at once, I'm going to do what you said. And so this man went at once and he put his money to work and he gave five bags more. Follow the story. So also the one who had two bags of gold, he gained how much? Two more. But the man who had received one bag, watch what he did. He went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, now, once again, this is an earthly story, so after a long time, y'all know Jesus is coming back. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and watch what he did. He settled accounts with them. Now, what I figured out is most Christians, we don't like this A word, accountability. But we need accountability in our life. You know, I know you say, well, I'm accountable to Jesus. But you need to be accountable to other people as well. We are to submit one to another. No man's an island. I'm, I'm going this side. That side ain't ready yet, okay? Uh, you know, I, I've read the Bibles for years. I've been saved for 27 years. I've been in ministry 18 years and a lead pastor for 11 years. So I've had an opportunity to kind of read the Bible here and there. And I, I saw in the Bible that it says at the end of the days, there's going to be two judgments where everybody got to give an account. There's going to be the judgment seat of Christ, also known as the Bema seat, and it's also going to be the great white throne judgment. OK, now you don't want to be at the great white throne judgment for that's the judgment of unbelievers. Those who've not accepted Christ or rejected Christ, the Bible says they will stand before Jesus and give an account. Not only will they stand before Jesus, the Bible says that those who are in hell will be called up from hell and they will be at the great, a great white throne judgment. And then them, hell, the devil, and a third of the angels that rebelled against God is going to be thrown into the lake of fire for the rest of eternity. Nobody's clapping. Whoa. But the good news is that we don't have to be at the great white throne judgment. Come on, somebody. We ain't got to be there. Because Jesus has made a way. Now, this is what the gospel is. The gospel is good news, is that you don't have to pay the price for your own sin. So those of us who say, you know what? I don't like that whole fiery stuff. I'm going to accept Christ. I want a relationship with God. What happens then is that at the end of the ages, we will still have to give an account. The Bible calls that place the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat. And what happens is that we don't give an account to eternal separation or damnation. We give an account now to the rewards eternally or the loss thereof. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So people will say, well, pastor, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, it don't. It goes right up before the beam of seat of God. Okay. And what you're doing in the, un is anybody hearing what I'm saying? What you're doing at 2 a.m. on your computer screen when ain't nobody around, God's there. Come on, somebody. God is there. You're married, but you're flirting at work. God's there, and the angels are recording. Now, the good news for us is that when we turn away from sin, the Bible says he cast it as far as the east is from the west, and he don't even remember it anymore. So the love and the grace of God causes Jesus to get absent-minded. I like that. Matter of fact, we're going to stand before Jesus. <laughs> I feel so bad. 
<laughs> Lord, you know I did this and I did that. He's going to be like, what you talking about? Because if you turn away from it while still in this planet, the Bible says that he doesn't even remember it anymore because he looks at us through the lenses of the blood. You should give God praise right now in this church. Come on. Verse 20, the man who had received five bags ago, he brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags. See, I gained five more. And his master replied, well done, you good and faithful servant. How many of y'all want to hear Jesus say that to you? I don't want to hear him say, well. I want to hear him say, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come, share of your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold, he came, Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied again, well done, you good and you faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many. Y'all see this principle that you got to be faithful over the few to qualify for the many. And so never despise the day of small beginnings because even though you start small, you don't stay small. People sometimes will get upset about where you are right now, but God is wanting you to be faithful over the little to make you ruler over the much. Let's move on. And so right here, he says, come share of your master's happiness, verse 24. And the man who had received one bag of gold, watch this guy here. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, Mm -mm -mm. harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. Now, my question is, how does he know that he's a hard man if he's not judging his heart? I just hope that we're not those Christians, the people that think we can judge another person's motives and another person's heart. It's just so sad when there's people in office or people in a public sector and we judge their heart. I don't think that we should judge people's hearts because only God can judge a person's heart. But this guy, and this is what I call the mindset of a failure, because there's principles of success and there's principles of failure. This is a victim mentality different from a victor mentality. A victim mentality is all about who hurt me and who did this to me. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen this on social media. There's almost this mindset that um, the way that people who are successful become successful is because they've cheated and robbed and slept their way to the top. And I found that to be the minority, not the majority. A lot of people just have great work ethic. (laughs) But this mentality says, I know you're a hard man. You've been taking advantage of everybody because you've been harvesting where you haven't sown. How many of y'all would like to harvest where you haven't sown? Oh, you don't understand. We all have harvested where, that's what we call parenting. I got these three little children, and they ain't sown nothing. But they harvest, they walking around the house like, this is my house. You ain't paid one bill. <laughs> Talking about they refrigerator and they food. You ain't got a job. All you doing is I sow the seed and you walking in the harvest. This whole church, think about it. Some of y'all joined like last month. You ain't give towards the building fund, but what are you? You walking into a harvest like, it's nice in here. I like this. <laughs> That's like we're about to start a church in Orlando. And let's say the thing just blow up like crazy. People are like, oh, my God, look at what happened in Orlando. Man, there's been people for the last hundred years praying over that city. Revival has happened in that city. What are we going to do? We're going to harvest where we ain't sown. That, is that, that really that bad? And watch what he says. I know you're a hard man because you've been gathering where you haven't scattered any seed. How many of y'all would like to gather this year, maybe where you haven't scattered any seed? The Bible says there's coming a day, and I believe now's that time, where the reaping will overtake the sowing. 
That's where you get a job you don't even qualify for. You're like, God, why would you give that to me? He like, because I love you. That's why. Some stuff, yeah, favor ain't fair. It's just preferential treatment. And so this isn't that bad, but let me tell you why people have this mindset. Verse 25, so I was afraid. That's all it is, is fear. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. You know, the thing about us is that God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? Right? We have no fear. Somebody shout, no fear here. You know, sometimes we can be people of faith, but we have a fear of loving again, a fear of getting married again, a fear of getting involved in ministry again. I got hurt before. I don't know if I want to do all of that again. And we're literally walking by fear when we've been called to walk by faith and not by sight. And we develop this poverty mentality and this victim mentality, and we don't even know it. And so here in verse number 26, and watch what he said to this guy. He says, his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You know I harvested where I hadn't sown and gathered where I hadn't. He ain't, he ain't really addressing this. He's just saying, you knew that. But, well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Here's the principle. So God, everything that he gives you, gift, talent, anointing, calling, he wants you to double it or at least move it forward a little bit. But he doesn't want you to return it back to him like he gave it to you. That's so important because God want, wants us to move things down down the field a tad bit, okay? And watch what he says in verse 28, and this is scary. He says, take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. <laughs> For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance, and whoever doesn't have, even what he has is going to be taken from him. And then he takes it to a whole nother level and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. My God. Okay, <clears throat> so let's do the math here. Y'all ready? Say, I'm ready. <clears throat> the person who started off with five talents at the end of the story, how many did they have? Okay, some of y'all can't do math. Let me help you. He started with five. He got another five. That is what? Then he got the one from the worthless servant. So how many is that? So the person started off with five now has what? Good job, class. Good job. The person who started off with two talents now, how many talents do they have? Good job, good job. The person who started off with zero talents, how many do they have now? Zero. Somebody's slow. She's like, I hope it's zero. <laughs> All right. Goose egg. So the scorecard, if we were keeping score, is 11 to 4 to zero. Here's the point. Y'all ready? Now, this is what I believe you came here to get today. If you're ready, say I'm ready. This is the word of the Lord. Don't miss this. You got to work your two. Mm -mm -mm. You got to work your two. Now, this is for those people you're trying to keep up with the fives and compete with the fives. But the truth is, is God ain't giving you five from the start. So you can't keep up with somebody and you ain't even start from the same place. You got to work your two. <laughs> I don't know if you're ready yet. You might not be the prettiest. Listen, you might not be the smartest. You might not have graduated valedictorian of your class. You might have started on the wrong side of the track. But you got two. And you got to work your two. Go ahead and tell your neighbor you're going to have to work your two. Can I, can I speak to anybody here who ain't the best at anything and ain't the worst at anything? And you right in the middle, you a two. And if you keep judging yourself on Instagram all day long, looking at everybody that got married before you got married, got a better job than you got, got a better house than you got, you got to take your eyes off of that. God didn't give you that. He gave you two. And you better work your two like it ain't no tomorrow. You better thank God for your two and be grateful for your two and say, thank God that you 
giving me two because your job ain't to be an 11. Your job is to get it to four. Don't get mad because everybody else is at an 11. You, you never going to get there because you got two. All you can do is make it a three and then make it a four and rejoice that it ain't two no more. You got to work your two. Can I speak to somebody today? Can I speak to anybody this morning? Because here's the thing about the twos. The truth is that all of us are a two. And I'm not speaking down your potential and God doing a miracle. What I mean by everybody's a two is that means that you got somebody who has it worse off than you. And you need to be grateful for what you do have. And you got somebody that got it better than you. And you need to know how not to hate but congratulate and celebrate what God's doing in another person's life. Can I speak to anybody that don't have the best office at the place that you work with and you're not the boss and the owner of everything that you touch and that you're not always a five? Can I speak to anybody that is a two in any area of your life? The devil would love for you to look at a five and try to compete with a five. But if you compete with a five, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You got to work your two. Can I talk to anybody that walked to church today or came on a moped? That's nobody. You brought the, the bus to church. Maybe I got the wrong church, but in my church, people feel bad because they got a moped. I said, you got to wave at everybody else and just be and eh, eh, while you're driving your moped. You got to work your two. Can I speak to anybody today? It's like, oh, pastor, I want my hair to be like sister so-and-so. The truth is your hair ain't never going to be like sister so-and-so. But you can go and buy a wig from the store and put it on your hair. And you got to work your two. And you got to get excited about my two. Yeah, I bought these nails, baby. I got to work my two. See, you got to. We live in a generation that wants to compete and to compare and to be little. But thank God for what we do have. We got to work our two. That's like I could practice basketball two hours a day for every day. <laughs> Putting it in. Five hours a day every day. Twelve, I could practice basketball 24 hours a day, not eat or sleep or do anything. But I'm never going to be better than LeBron James. Why? Because he a five. And I'm a two. <laughs> and I got to work my two. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm a five. I'm a five foot nine. That's the problem there. God ain't give me that ability. So there ain't no need for me to hate on LeBron because God gave him different ability. And he's a five and I'm a two, but I got to work my two. He can't preach like I can preach. He can't build a church like I can build a church. He can't take people to the third heaven and have the presence of God. So, okay, Mr. LeBron, dribble your basketball, but I'm going to preach until the glory of God show up and I'm going to work my two. Can I talk to anybody today that can get excited about what you do have? Go ahead and tell your neighbor, you got to work your two. You got to work your two. Oh, my God, I'm speaking to somebody that's sad because you're not there yet. You've been like, Pastor, you don't understand. I've been, I've been single for 15 years. I've seen somebody join the church last week, and they got married the next week, and I've been believing for my Boaz for 15 years. <laughs> How many of y'all know it's better to be by yourself than be married to somebody that you can't stand? Come on. Come on. All my single again, people said amen to that pastor. I wish somebody would have told me. You got to work your two. So this message today is a message um, about identity. Everybody say identity. If you know who you are, you'll never have to be somebody else. All right? I don't have a beautiful building like your, your, your building right now. We have a steel barn, but I'm going to work my dog on two. Because my identity is not found in brick and mortar, and it's not found in numbers. It's not found in how many people like my page. It's not 
It's not found in how many followers we have on social media. My identity is not found in my bank account. Come on, somebody. My identity is not found in how many zeros I have behind my income. My, my identity is not found in my degree. My identity is not found in my children. My identity is not found in my nationality. Your identity is not found in your race. All the, all the black people want to stay out of the sun. All the white people want to tan. You got to come to the place where you're just okay with being you. You know, my hair is like it is. God made me that way. You know, I'm, 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 I got freckles. Well, God made me that way. You got to start doing you. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, you got to do you. Gotta, you. You see, you know where your identity is found? Your identity is found in the bloodstained cross that was on Calvary. See, your worth and your value is not what people say that you are. It is found in the word of the living God. Do I got a church in here that's excited about being saved? Today's message is a message about confidence. Everybody say confidence. When you know who you are, you never have to be somebody else. Okay? Satan tries to show other people that are further along than you to chip away at your confidence. You know, God gave me a word a couple of weeks ago, and I've been sharing it with my friend, Will, who's here in a part of our Orlando location. And this was the word of the Lord, and this is for somebody here today, that sometimes you feel like God is punishing you, but the truth is, is that he's preparing you. And sometimes the, the season that you're in of hiding, you think it came to hinder you, but it came to help you. And if you look at the life of David and Joseph and the people who had 12 or 13 years of hiding, you can say, God, why is it taking so long? Because there's something great that he's developing on the inside of you, and he develops you in the private. Thank you, Lord, for not developing me in the public. He's just waiting for the right time. And so the Bible says don't cast away your confidence. You can trust that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. This message today is a message about gratitude, and we need an attitude of gratitude. Sometimes we come into the Christmas season we get depressed because somebody's passed away. Somebody's went home to be with the Lord. But look who's alive around you. Look, God has brought you to a great church. You're in a nation where you can worship God freely and not be crucified or boiled in oil or something weird. You know what I'm saying? My God, that we, we have freedom of thought and freedom of speech. And there's so much working for us. And the devil loves for you to focus on what's not working well so that you don't get that there is a whole lot that's working well on your behalf. All right. Today is a message about faithfulness, that whatever you got in your hand, you can use that and be faithful over that. People say, well, I want the million dollars. No, God's looking at how you manage the five dollars. And if you can't consistently tithe and give God the first from five dollars, don't expect five million dollars. You say, well, when I get that raise, I'll give to God. No, you won't. The Bible says he who observes the wind will never sow. And we can make excuse after excuse of why I can't have it. You know, when I started to tithe. 18 years ago, when I had $100,000 of debt and lived in a one-bedroom apartment with roaches and mice, and in four years, I took my income from $10,000 a year to $750,000 in one year, I need to speak to a business owner that you put your faith in your intellect and in your business skill more than in Jehovah Jireh that will take care of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is a season where God is blessing the givers, for it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Make no mistake about it. You can get and get and get and still be empty. Been there before and done that. Last but not least, today's message is a message about calling. And the truth is, is that all of us here have a call of God on our life. All of us, every single one of us, we all have a call. And all we want to do is help you understand what your calling is. And that's why we have this thing that they've been announcing for next week called Next Steps. 
I double dog dare you. Plan your schedule to come at 1245 and get the DNA of this house. What is the DNA? That's the spirit of this house. God calls us to be a partaker of a grace, of an anointing. And to know the DNA of the house, it affects your house. And you owe it to yourself not just to come to church, but to be a part of the church, to carry the DNA of this house. If you give us four weeks, we really believe we can help you change 40 years of your life. Would somebody say amen? I love it that God calls not the, 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 the qualified, but he qualifies the called. I love that. You know, it's just a bunch of people like you that know how to work here too. It's kind of like Moses is like, God, why are you calling me? I can't even speak. He was like, listen, get Aaron. He's going to translate everything. And God is basically saying, like, work here too. Gideon is like, I'm the least of the tribe. I'm the least of the nation. I'm the least of my house. God is like, you mighty man of valor, what are you work here too? Jeremiah's like, I'm, I'm, I'm so young. Come on, somebody in middle school, high school. God is like, listen, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Quit saying how young you are. And he touched Jeremiah's mouth and he put his word in his mouth. That's all you need. It's God's word in your mouth. No matter who you are, you got to work yo too. And so calling is so important. You are all called. And we want to help you figure out what that call is. If you take a step towards God, he'll take two towards you. Seven billion people all around the world all have a call of God in our life. And the number one call that we have is a call to accept Christ. Seven billion people are called to the cross, are called to relationship, not religion. And if you're here today, I want to give you the gospel in like 30 seconds, and then I want to pray for you. Did you all enjoy today? Somebody say, I'm going to go work my two. I'm going to go work my two. Here's the gospel in 30 seconds. We are all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of the holiness of God, meaning that there is no sin in God, he is absolutely perfect. He cannot be in the presence of a sinful man. And so what he did, he decided to send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who knew absolutely no sin. So he was the perfect sacrifice for those of us who have sinned. He paid the price for the sin of mankind on a rugged cross. Now what happens is that this God, who is holy, has made a bridge through Jesus to bring an unholy man back into fellowship with a holy God. That's what the cross did. And all we have to do is surrender to his plan, meaning that we don't know everything. It doesn't matter if you have a Nobel Prize and a Ph.D. or three Ph.D.s. You still don't know what's going to happen when your spirit leaves your body. God has an answer. All right. And what Christianity is, it is not a religion. It is a relationship with God where when you accept Christ, he'll say hi to you and you can get up in the morning and say hi to him. It's glorious. It's wonderful. And I want to lead you in that prayer today with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you can admit, which is a form of humility that you've ever sinned, looked lustfully upon another person, competitive in your heart. We've all sinned. So we're all in need of a savior. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to be right with God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I don't want a religion, but I do want a relationship with the one and true living God. And I'm ready to take a step towards him today. If that's you, I would love to pray for you today. Um, but I would like for you to lift your hand. So all over the building, if that's you and you say, pray for me, lift your hand right now. All over the building. Thank you. I see your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand, your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand and your hand, 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 your hand. You can put your hands down, but the most important thing is that God sees your hand because your hand was just a sign of a heart that surrendered. And so I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to ask everybody in the room to kind of pray with me as well. 
because with this prayer, the Bible says that your name will be found in the book of life as a child of God, meaning no great white throne judgment for you. You'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ as a child of God based upon this simple decision that you made today. Can we all pray together? Say this, Lord Jesus. Come on, let me hear you say, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart today. I make a decision to follow after you. I confess that I'm a sinner and that I'm in need of a savior. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my savior from this day forward. Heal me. Restore me. Save me. And then use me. I'm saved right here, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Coastal, would you give God praise?